This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming in hot on this beautiful Monday afternoon here in Las Vegas. Two o'clock on the dot. Demond Cotton, your boy Q. Unnecessary Roughness in your ear hole. Very excited about being here with you for the next few hours. Three to be exact, 2 to 5 p.m. Vinny Bonsignor is wrapping up his vacation. Today is his final day, so I hope he enjoys it. He'll be back in the saddle tomorrow, and we'll be back to our 2 to 4 regular scheduling programming. But uh, today we're going to close it out 2 to 5 p.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And we've got a lot to get to on today's show. I, I always get excited about days like today. Because I look at the rundown that we have, I look at the text messages that myself and Damon have exchanged talking about the show, and realize there's no way we're going to cover everything. There's just no way everything that we have planned is going to get covered. Just no way. I like that you say, I get so excited that we have too much show. I do. I do. That's a good thing. That's a good problem to have. You know what I mean? It's a really good problem to have when you have too much show. I used to, I remember having a, a show uh, in Central Texas when the pandemic was going on and I would do three hours and then I would, at the end I'd say, man, we didn't get to a lot of stuff. And the guy coming up after me was like, how in the hell did you not get to everything when you had three hours of a show and it's a pandemic? There's not much going on. I was like, I don't know, but we did it. Breaking down the bubble game. Yeah, I mean, right, right. I mean, there was all kind of things going on, and it just seemed like the time goes by so fast. And so uh, very excited about that, and it's just, and it, that makes it even more fun. And then when you add in, you get calls and you get texts. It's all of a sudden you look up, and it's like, all right, there goes the show. So we're going to do it. We're going to go full throttle, man. I'm excited. Of course, the draft is coming up in 10 days. The first round will get started uh, right here in Las Vegas, and the thing is coming together. And when I say the thing is coming together, everything downtown is really starting to come together where the site of the draft is going to be. And so, again, in 10 short days, there'll be the draft and still trying to figure out the ins and outs. I do believe that this show on Thursday of the draft will generate from the draft. I believe that that's going to happen and then going to pitch it to a Raiders party that's going to be hosted, pre-draft party that's going to be hosted by JT, Jason Fitz, and Eric Allen. So kind of like the pregame show, but they'll have Jason Fitz involved as well. So uh, I think this show will go until about 3 o'clock, and then boom, kick it to JT, Jason Fitz, and Eric Allen to lead us all the way up to the first round of the draft. And then I believe on Friday, it's going to be myself, JT, and Eric Allen. We're going to all do the same thing, but the draft starts at 4 on Friday because it's an uh, extra round. So it's just a, there's still a lot of moving parts. As you can tell, it's not all the way uh, set in stone, but just knowing how fun it's going to be. And, and I've been a guy that's done my show multiple times from the draft before, and, and it's a lot of fun. It's not as crazy hectic as it is at the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? It's like there's not people walking around that you can go and get as guests or whatever. It's literally you're in the back room with other radio stations or other media outlets, and that's it. I mean, it's really it's nothing like that. But just having the energy of being at the site and, and around the draft, that is what the fun is. So it, it's going to be, either way you look at it, man, we're going to find a way to have plenty of fun, not only the actual days of the draft, but leading up to the draft as well. So every day, man, full throttle, we're going hard in the paint. We're going to continue to get you ready and prepared for the 2022 
NFL draft. So the guests that we have coming up on the show today, I mean, buckle in because we've got some really good bangers for you. I like to call them bangers. I saw DeMond quote tweeted uh, my tweet when I put out the lineup. Said we got a banger to start the week off. We absolutely do. First off at 2.30, Trey Wingo, Chief Trends Officer and Brand Ambassador for Caesar Sportsbook. I still love that name. That's a fantastic name. I don't know really what that title means. But, man, it's a great title. If I ever put that title behind my name, I know I'd be doing good. Anyway, Trey is really good and really versed when it comes to the NFL draft for many years for ESPN. I mean, he was the dude. You know, I know, of course, Mel Kuyper and they got the Tom McShays and everything. But Trey Wingo, man, he has the big, thick book where he breaks down player after player after player. And then when that player gets selected, all of a sudden it's like, boom, and he just rattles off this information, this information. This is how this person is going to work in this system. I mean, the draft is his thing, so I'm really interested to see. I know he's not on the ESPN platform right now, but he's doing his own thing. He's got plenty of stuff going on. He's got the half, uh, the host, the half forgotten history, uh, a podcast going on YouTube about NFL players. I think Jerome Bettis was on the other day, and uh, he had Edger and James on the other day. He's had he's had plenty of really good players, and of course, he stays locked in on the NFL. So uh, interested to see exactly how he's tackling tackling the NFL draft this upcoming year. But two thirty. On the dot, Trey Wingo will join the show at 3 p.m. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic will join the show. And I've been trying to get a hold of Ted for the last couple of weeks. We've been really kind of hitting and missing each other because he's been really busy. And then the days he's available, our show's been really busy and we really haven't had time. But he put out a good piece on The Athletic probably a couple of weeks ago about the arms race in the AFC West. And he talks about the addition of Chandler Jones. He talks about the addition of Devontae Adams, what that means for the Raiders as they're trying to go up against Russell Wilson in Denver, to go up against Den- uh, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, going up against the Kansas City Chiefs without a Tyreek Hill. You know, so it really, he kind of compared and contrasted and, and did a really good piece on the arms race in the AFC West. And so I've uh, been trying to, trying to link up with them on that one. So we're able to do that. So we'll do that coming up at 3 o'clock today. At 3.30... And I really hate this. (laughs) I really hate to have this interview come up at 3.30 today because I like to have a lot of fun and like to be really, really positive. But uh, part of our responsibility here at Radio Nation Radio 920 and really any radio station across the country, not every station does it, but we're going to do that, is uh, be ambassadors to the community. And what I mean by that is when something goes on in the community, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, we like to address it. We like to talk about it. Uh, We want to make sure that we're conscious and aware of what's going around uh, going on around us. And so Sam Gordon from the Review Journal, he's going to join us. And normally he's like a Vinny, a Vinny uh, guest, and sometimes I think he's on the morning tailgate as well. So normally I leave, leave him to be on Vinny's show, but one, Vinny's on vacation, and two, the piece that he put out over the weekend, DeMond, I know you saw it, I saw it, plenty of people have seen it by now, it's been talked about quite a bit. Aaliyah Gales, the, the young lady that I actually had on the show back in January, because she uh, she's a Spring Valley basketball player. She's a great hooper. She's going to USC. Um, she was shot. She was shot on Saturday, and she is alive, and that's the good thing. And she's had multiple surgeries. But, I mean, just crazy how uh, a young person's life can go from flying high. She's a McDonald's All-American. Just got back from Chicago uh, not too long ago for the McDonald's All-American honor, which is exactly why we had her on the show was to talk about that honor and how excited she was. She's a USC commit. She has a full ride to, to USC. And so when I saw that news and I first saw the piece by Sam Gordon saying that she was shot over the weekend, I thought, what in the world? And so I started doing a little bit more digging, a little bit more research and found out she was at a house party on Saturday and a fight broke out or an argument broke out and then shots rang out. Raider Nation, not only was she shot, there's one thing to get shot. Like that would be enough for me just to get shot. Like maybe a stray hit me. Or a stray hit someone that I know, like maybe Demond, because you're a big tough guy. Maybe Demond got hit with a stray or something. That's one thing, right? That's massive. That's already one of those things that's like traumatizing. She got shot ten times, ten. 
10. That's just, I mean, that my heart dropped when I, when I just read up on that information and, and all, I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, and, and look, I don't know her personally. You know, never have been in the gym while she's been playing ball or anything. But just from that conversation and from the reaction of her teammates when she became a McDonald's All-American and, and you know, committed to USC and all that, I mean, it's just, it almost felt, it felt personal. You know what I mean? It, like, it really felt personal. When I, I tweeted out over the weekend, I said, oh, man, that's awful news. So many people that listen to this station and listen to this show kept saying, Q, is that, is that the young lady that you interviewed? Q, is that the one that you had on the show? And I'm like, yes. And so to me, it just became that much more personal. And, you know, I always joke about being the old guy on the show. I have no problem with that. Uh, but, you know, and my mom, I guess she'll understand this more than I do. But, you know, she was always worried about me whenever I'd be away from the house. She'd always be worried about me. And I always be like, man, why are you worried about me? I got this. I got it covered, this and that. And now, obviously, with little Q in college, you know, playing ball, I get concerned and worried about him, too. You know, just just like my mom got worried about me. And then when you hear stories like this, you realize how fortunate you are that you're not in that situation. You know, obviously, you don't want anyone in that situation, especially a young person. You don't want anyone in that situation. But, man, you just think about, man, all, look at all the, the times that maybe I went out or I went to a party or so-and-so went to a party. And you, you just don't know. You know, when, when, when your kids leave the house, man, you just don't know what shape they're going to be in when they get back, if they're going to get back. And so luckily for her, she's gone through multiple surgeries. She's, I guess she's doing okay. We'll get an update from Sam. But, dog, when you saw that news and you knew that she was on the show, you know, and, and that's not even how it's not, that's not even the important part. It just it kind of made me feel like it was more personal because she has been on the show. It just it, it was it was crazy to me. It was it was tragic when I when I saw it. And, and I'm hoping and praying that she gets a you know, full recovery. But, man, that is that is awful. Yeah, it hit close for me as well because not only was she on the show, but me being a kid who went to high school out here where it's personal for me because mm-hmm. I've been the kid at those parties. Right. And sometimes you're lucky enough to just go home and be like, man, that was wild. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people aren't as fortunate just to walk away and, and have a crazy story to tell. Some people are actually affected by those things. Right. And you see this happen at house parties here in Vegas more and more now. I remember I was getting my hair cut at the barbershop and we were talking about it. And we're, my barber, we're the same age. We're 25-year-olds talking in the barbershop. Right. And it's just, hey, remember when we were in high school? And maybe somebody would threaten about a gun, but you didn't have to worry about that. Right. But now high school kids, they have to worry about like know, the man. shootings being more severe. Because be like, yep. this is the joke that we made. It's like, ah, oh, people would just maybe shoot a couple shots in the air mm-hmm. and then hear them drive off. And it's like, no, it's getting more serious than it used to be for us even less than 10 years ago. Right, exactly. I mean, again, that, I say it all the time. We used to go out and get in fights. And that was the worst that was going to happen. Like, maybe you got your, your backside whooped. Okay, cool. Not a problem, because I can recover from that. But now you just you just really don't know, and it's just getting worse and worse. And so definitely praying for the, the Gales family. Uh, definitely hate that for that young lady. Uh, again, someone that, uh, from everything that I've read and everything that I've heard, uh, just a great, obviously a great player on the court, but a great, uh, even better person off the, off the court. And so just, just to be caught up in that. And I promise you, as soon as I, I read that article by Sam, I, I, I sent it immediately to Little Q, and I was like, man, I know you're fine, but just watch out for your surroundings. Watch out. And he's like, man, I am. I always got my head on a swivel. I'm like, well, there you go. <laughs> and also the GoFundMe, they're close to $8,000 of a goal of 10000 yeah. I'll tweet it out. I'm sure you'll retweet yeah, it because Sam Gordon, well, yeah. Willie Ramirez that also mm-hmm. works on Cofield & Company, they both have tweeted out the links for this GoFundMe. De'Erica Helmby, Kelsey Plum, yeah. members of the LVAs have good. donated as well to where it's a— uh, you know, it's a community effort here in Vegas. No, it really is. And, and that's why I said that's part of our responsibility. We're, we're here to have a good time. We're here to, you know, joke and laugh and talk football. And, 
and have you covered on all the sports. But we're also, like I said, we're ambassadors to the, the community. And if we lose track of that, that's a problem. So we're not going to lose track of that around here. So we'll talk to Sam Gordon at 3.30 uh, about what's going on with Aaliyah and the latest and the greatest with, with her. And, and hopefully she's, you know, hopefully making a, a quicker quicker recovery and, and all that. It's just, again, just a, a terrible story that nobody ever wants to report about. But uh, it's out there. And so when I first saw the news, it was his piece, his piece on the RJ that uh, that caught my attention. So we'll have him on at 3.30 to talk about that. Then right after we talked to Sam, I'm actually going to play that interview that I did with Aaliyah back in January. I think it was January 28th of this year. I'm actually going to play that again just just because. I mean, I, I just I just feel like that that's the very least that we can do is, is show her that kind of love. At uh, 4 o'clock, we're going to have Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. Uh, we're expected as well at around 4.30ish to have some sound bites from Mel Kuyper Jr., who had a nice conference call. Uh, his last little pre-draft conference call sound from him coming up at uh, 4.30. We're expected to have it around 4.30, but you never know around here how this show goes. Sometimes get a little bit long here or there, and then we don't. You know, we don't get up to something. But if we don't get to it, don't worry. We'll get to it on tomorrow's show. We have plenty of time to make that happen. So those are the guests that we have coming up on the show. Trey Wingo, Ted Nguyen, Sam Gordon. Plus you'll hear from Mel Kuyper Jr. as he's got his little pre-draft conference call. That's all loaded and locked and loaded for this show. Plus we want to hear from you throughout the course of the show at 702-365-9200. And the Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Let's go ahead and jump into now the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. So i got a couple little nuggets that I wanted to bring to the table, and this is just kind of a housekeeping nugget, uh, and this was put out there. I forgot who tweeted it out, but per his LinkedIn account, Keith Kidd is a new director of scout development for the Raiders. Kidd has previously served with the Patriots, Broncos, Browns, and Cardinals, most on the pro side, but he's also worked on the college side as well. So just a little bit of a house cleaning note right there, and I'm sure there's going to be some more more uh, you know, moving and shaking going on as far as the, uh, the Raiders front office, but I thought that that was a pretty interesting little, little nugget that I thought I'd pass along. So uh, that's Keith Kidd, new director of scout development for the Raiders. Now, this has not been confirmed by the Raiders, but it was out there on Twitter, and uh, like I said, I forgot whose account it was, but it was some someone's that I felt like, oh, okay. This Inside is, the league. Okay. That's where I saw it at. I don't know if that's where yeah, you saw it Yeah, as well. I think so. I think so. So good catch right there. So I uh, feel pretty confident that they know what they're talking about. So just, you know, just a, uh, another addition and a director as far as the scouting department goes for the Raiders. And that's what happens when you have new regimes. You have uh, turnover, you know, and you're going to have different scouts come in. You're going to have different directors of scouting. And some guys will stick around. Some guys won't stick around. That's just kind of what it is. I'll tell you right now, there's not too much that I'm questioning when it comes to what the new regime does. If they put somebody in a p- position... Okay. Yes, and to follow up on this even further, I did go to his LinkedIn account. Yeah. And it is a Raider backdrop, and he has made the – he's made it official for himself. So we got to take his word for it. He knows that he's got a job or not. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he don't, then he's in trouble, right? Somebody like, Keith, what are you talking about, man? We never right. talked about this. Yeah, you, you didn't get no job. Wait, what, wait, what, what are you talking about? Oh, man. I thought I was already hired. No, just kidding. So uh, Keith Kidd is good to go. New director of scout development for the Raiders. Uh, Again, just an addition to the front office. He is the director of scout development. So with that being said, I want to really get into the topic of the day and the question that I had for you. I like to uh, always come out of the the show or come out of the gates with a a topic to bring to the table and would love to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Also, the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword 
R&R. Of course, we're in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. We'll be at Finley Cadillac on Wednesday uh, doing this show all the way live. Very excited about that opportunity to be out there. And uh, so funny, man. My dad was at the house. He actually left this morning. He was at the house, and he he kept saying, man, you sure do love to say that, huh? The Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, because he heard me say it multiple times when we were on, on Friday at the TI when he was coming around. He was like, you sure do like to say that, huh? He's like, man, that's your mama. That's your mama in you. <laughs> <laughs> He said, your mama got you hooked when you were a, a, a baby. I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I got some of my dad's tendencies. But please believe I got some of my mom's tendencies, too. So uh, it, it is all good. So we are live in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. The topic that I wanted to bring to the table with the draft right around the corner. And currently, remember, it's just currently they have five players starting in round three, pick number 86. So they can draft five players starting in round three with uh, pick number 86. How many impact players do you believe that the Raiders should come out of this draft with? And what I mean by impact players is guys that are playing at a consistent rate. Not guys that are going to be developmental guys where they may, you know, they may play next year or they may play, you know, a couple games here and there, may fill in. Like, for example, John Simpson was a fourth round pick uh, when the Raiders got him out of Clemson. And he was a guy that you knew when they drafted him, he didn't have a spot right then. But he was going to be a guy that at some point was going to you know, help out or be expected to hold down a certain position. So that's not one of those guys that I would include. But now a Nate Hobbs, who was drafted in the fifth round, he was an impact player. You know, and, and look, everyone in the fifth round or everyone in the fourth round, everyone drafted is not going to become an impact player. But how many impact players do you think that the Raiders should come out of this draft with? I mean, you think about some of their later round picks that they've had. Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, Nate Hobbs just mentioned him. I mean, there's, there's guys... Uh, Malcolm Kuntz, maybe he's going to be, I thought he was going to get some more burn last season. He really didn't get that much burn, but when he did, he showed out. I mean, when he did, he was able to show that he can get to the quarterback. I wonder if Malcolm Kuntz takes a step forward this year. That That's one guy that I'm really interested to see what he does throughout the course of training camp, what he does throughout the course of the preseason, and how early he can get on the field. Because if he can get on the field, what I thought from him last year was he was going to end up, I think I said four or five sacks. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he get three? I think he got three last year in very limited amount of play. If it wasn't three, it was two, but he got... Yes, it was two. It, it was, was two. Two? Okay, fair enough. Two, but he only played in a handful of snaps. In Five a, games. Exactly, exactly. So, and, and I couldn't tell you how many snaps, but it wasn't a whole lot. But he did make the most out of his snaps. I mean, you get two sacks in five games, that's not bad. 48 snaps. It's not bad at all. Not bad at all. So if he could take a step forward, and if he had two, what, he had two sacks last year. So if he could come away with... And get on the field, obviously, and play at a consistent rate. If he can come with anywhere from like six to seven sacks, that's that's a win. That's a win because you know he's not a guy that's going to be starting over Max Crosby. He's not a guy that's going to be starting over Chandler Jones. But if he can get in there and just in, in times when, okay, look, it's, t- it's time to pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. If he could do that with his speed, because that's his specialty right now. That's really the one tool that he uses in his tool shed is he, uh, you know, he could pin his ears back and get to the quarterback. He's got that bull rush. Now, I know he's got other tools that he uses, but that that just pin the ears back and just go get to the quarterback. He, he does that really well. So I think that he has an opportunity to be an impact player uh, maybe this year, so as early as this year. But as far as this year's draft goes, out of five players, now they could always end up trading multiple times and end up with seven or eight picks for all I know. But right now with, with what they're working with, if they stay, stay pat and only have five picks – how many of those five picks do you think need to be impact players? And then how many do you think are just, okay, just take a take a shot. This guy might work out. 
you know, you're going to get projects. There's going to be a fifth round project or a sixth round project or a seventh round project. Like that EJ Perry, that quarterback. If they get that quarterback out of Brown, that's a project, which is okay. In the seventh round, that's okay. You know, last year, um, who was it, Jimmy Morrissey? He was going to be a project, but he looked like he was going to be a promising project. You know, he was actually a pick that looked like he was going to be a pretty good pick, and the Houston Texans ended up in, uh, they swept him up off the practice squad, so the Raiders didn't have a chance to really develop him, but he looked like he was going to have an opportunity to, to, to really do some things at that center position and maybe even play a little bit of guard. He had some work to do, but he looked like he can, he can get there. So that's okay if you get a project in round seven. You get a project in round six. Most of your late-round picks are going to be, there's going to be a reason why, you know, they're a later-round pick. Like when Max Crosby was drafted, what did the first thing the coaches say? You got to put some more weight on. That was the first thing they told him. Your job is going to hang out with Deuce Gruden and get bigger. I mean, that, that was not exactly word-for-word word what they said, but it was pretty close to word-for-word word what they said. So, you know, these guys that are picked in the second, third, fourth round, well, really third, fourth, fifth round like that, I mean, they're in those rounds for a reason. It, it, you know, they have an area that they still need to continue to improve on. Obviously, Max Crosby took his opportunity and ran with it and parlayed that into a great, a great contract extension that he just signed not too long ago. I mean, he, he did it exactly how you're supposed to do it. Hunter Renfro, you feel like he's doing it exactly how you're supposed to do it, right? Put in a hell of a season last year. He was a late-round pick. But you know that he had the opportunity. You knew he had something Something in the tank. I remember watching him at Clemson knowing that he was basically Deshaun Watson's go-to guy when, when push came to shove. When they needed a big catch, they were looking for Hunter Renfro all the time. I mean, they were calling Hunter Renfro third and Renfro back in Clemson, back in college. That wasn't a Raiders thing. That was, that was a Renfro thing. You know, that's, he earned that when he was in college. And now it looks like he's earning the opportunity and probably will earn the opportunity sooner rather than later to cash in on a nice little paycheck. And I expect Hunter Renfro... Man, I expect his impact to be big this year. Maybe not the same amount of catches, but man, the impact will probably be just as big, if not bigger, than what he had on the team last year. And we all know how much Hunter Renfro did last year with the Silver and Black. I think with this Raiders team, like I know it's a previous regime, but the development of those later round picks is there, as you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Because not only that, Nate Hobbs, Mm -hmm. But there are also players like Tyree Gillespie, Tyree Gillespie that we yeah. haven't seen yet. Right. That maybe they can develop into those impact players. Right. But with the amount of picks that they have, it's only five picks. Right. So expect maybe two. That's where I'm leaning. I'm leaning two. If they can come out of this draft with two guys that you feel pretty confident in that are going to make something happen, I think that they've done well if they stick with five. I, I think why not? Have a couple projects? Sure. Sure. You'll probably have one pick that you look at and you're like, yeah, that was not a good pick. I mean, that's just, that's just the nature of the beast. There's more, yeah, that's not a good pick, than there is, oh, that was a great pick. I mean, it's just, that's, just, that's just what it is. But I think that they have an opportunity to come out with at least two. That's, that's the number that I'm looking at is two. Um, I, and I don't know if it's going to be the third-round pick, the first pick that they have. I don't know if it's going to be the fourth-round pick or later. I mean, we just, we, that's the thing. We really don't know right now who's, who's it going to be. We do all these you know, draft conversations. We do all these previews, like the one we're going to do next with Trey Wingo. We do all these. But until they actually get out there on the field, you really don't know. Sonia and Fresno hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Malcolm Kuntz is the opposite of Arden Key. And Arden Key, to his credit, did have six sacks this past year with the 49ers. But yeah, Arden Key was the guy who almost did this and almost did that and almost was here and almost got the quarterback. At least he was with the Raiders. Now, he did have a decent season with the 49ers, turned that into a decent contract with the Jaguars, of course, because... The Jaguars are paying everybody but myself and DeMond. We're the only two that haven't got paid. <laughs> I'm still looking for that invite in the mail. Hey, Q, DeMond, we got a spot for you, man. Well, got some millions. You, you, you want to take it? Just saying. 
I will give the Raiders' previous regime credit for finding picks later in the rounds. They did do a good job of that. And I'm not here to debate whose call that was. It doesn't even matter because none of them are here. But what I can say is that they did get some picks, and they did hit on them. As you can see, the, the guys that are on the, on the squad right now that are from later rounds, that are those impact players. So you got to give that regime credit for at least being able to hit on those. First-round picks, yeah, not so much. But, you know, the, and of course we know about the Henry Ruggs situation, but the, the later-round picks, and I don't want to take anything with Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is a hell of a player, too. Just running back, and his value is not where, you know, where the rest of the league, they don't look at running backs the way they should. The value with me, great. Value with the rest of the league, yeah, not so much. It sucks because if he was drafted in like the fourth round, right. and it's produced, they'd the be way like, he, "Man, he's fantastic!" Right? Can you believe the value, the right. steal, exactly, a diamond in the rough? Right? It's like so you're damn because you got picked in the first round because <laughs> you are living up to those expectations. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's the same. Honestly, it's the same with Cleef Earl. If Cleef Earl gets picked in another round, they'd be like, "Okay," but he gets picked in the first round. It's like, "Oh my gosh!" And he got picked at number four. Oh my gosh, it's awful. You know what I mean? Like. It's that that first round is you better be the man, or else uh, you're gonna get talked about like you you know like you're a dog. And, and like I said, jo- Josh Jacobs doesn't get doesn't get that conversation. It's just values for running backs in the league is is just not what it should be. Let's take one quick call seven zero two three six five nine two hundred. Who we got up? ABA Ivan Davis. What's up, ABA Ivan Davis? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for calling. Uh, I, I missed the question. What's the question? <laughs> the question is how many impact players do you believe the Raiders should come out of this draft with? Uh, as many as possible. I, I, uh, they keep saying this is a deep round, a draft. I mean, not deep round, deep draft. So uh, that's probably a good number. I would imagine one, maybe two will slip. Okay. I mean, but we've been real good at, at, at picking late round. I fully expect these guys, this all-star staff, to be able to pick at, at the minimum two. Okay. Uh, okay, people out of this. And so uh, you're, I'm pretty much on board with uh, what you're saying, my man. All right. You have a good game. You too, bro. I have a good game. But you have a good day. <laughs> All right, man. You you got the opposites going today. My man said thanks for the call. My man said <laughs> have a good day. All that good stuff. ABA Ivan Davis, he's living his best life out there in the town. I'm not mad at him. 226 at the time. When we come back, we'll talk to Trey Wingo. He's a tre- chief trends officer and brand ambassador for Caesars Palace, Caesars Sportsbook, and he's the host of the Half Forgotten History on YouTube. Trey Wingo, he comes up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. There's no big secret to winning football. It's just doing what these guys do every game. Just go out and give it your best. Bottom line, I took a team to a Super Bowl and we won. I even had some guys on that team that nobody wanted. But we were a team. And that's what you guys are. You're a football team. That's kind of like a family. Except you get to hit each other. But you have to stick together. Do that, you'll be fine. Thanks, Mr. Rabbit. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. NFL Draft is 10 days away. Of course, it's taking place downtown Las Vegas right here. Very excited about that. Cannot wait to be on site to bring you all the sounds and all the action live 
here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness right now. Joining us on the phone line is a guy who knows a lot about the NFL draft. That is the Chief Trends Officer and Brand Ambassador for Caesar Sportsbook, host of Half Forgotten History on YouTube. That is Trey Wingo. And Trey, how I know that you're deep diving all the time when it comes to the NFL draft. You've done it for years on top of years on top of years. I always enjoy listening to you know your breakdown of all these prospects. How exciting are times are when it's about 10 days out of the draft? Well, great to be with you, and I cannot wait to get to Vegas. I'm getting there uh, Monday, and uh, it's going to be just an unbelievable week. It's finally the 2020 draft that we were supposed to have there, and then, I don't know, this little thing stopped the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, this year's draft is really exciting because, I mean, to use the old line that Al Michael says all the time, nobody knows anything. Like, this draft is the most crazy, uh, unpredictable draft we can imagine. I mean... We're going to have for only the sixth time since 2001 and only the seventh time since 1998 quarterbacks not going number one overall. Um, we have the potential, the potential for, for the first time in draft history for the top ten picks to not include anybody that touches the ball, which would be a quarterback, wide receiver, running back, or tight end. Um, and we don't know who the number one overall pick is going to be. <laughs> like Outside of there was some uncertainty about Baker Mayfield uh, you know, going number one overall in 2018. You have to go back to 2013, the Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel draft, mm. which was, you know, when three offensive tackles went off the board in the first four picks. So, yeah, this is this is kind of nuts. I mean, every year the draft is a crapshoot. So, fittingly, with the year it's in Vegas, it's the biggest crapshoot of all time. Right. That makes all the sense in the world. And, you know, when you sit there and try to evaluate, prospects and kind of break down their game and figure out what round they should go in. What have you found to be the most difficult position to really break down and evaluate? Well, the, the most difficult position, obviously, this year is quarterback because right. we don't believe we have one that is a uh, – for example, every single one of the five quarterbacks that went in the first round last year all have pre-draft grades higher than anyone that might be taken in the first round this year. Hmm. So, you know, and it's become such a quarterback-dependent league and a quarterback-necessary uh, league that this is, this is the worst possible draft to be dying to find a quarterback, which means the Carolina Panthers could not be in more trouble. I mean, they sit there at six, and are they going to reach? Are they going to take a quarterback? Uh, you, know, you know, they've already committed the fifth-year option to Sam Darnold, and they've gone back and forth with Cam Newton and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, over the last couple of years, I, I just I know what they're going to do, and I don't know if they're willing to make make that commitment. And then, by the way, let's add in this is Matt Rule's third year. Mm-hmm. The first two years haven't gone really well. He's going to be under pressure to find ways to win. What's the best way to win in the NFL? Get a quarterback that hasn't worked out. So there's a lot of intrigue there. But like this is the this is not the year to be dying for a quarterback in the draft. I'm glad you brought up Matt Rule and the Panthers because, of course, their name is associated right now with Baker Mayfield. He's, he's still sitting there in Cleveland uh, on their roster for now until who knows when. But you know, and you're very familiar with Matt Rule, his time at Baylor. He did really good things. That's your alma mater right there. I know yeah. him from covering him at Baylor, and this is the year. That third year is when Matt Rule makes that jump. That's just who he is. But it doesn't right. look like that's in the cards right now. How much trouble do you think he could be in this year? Well, you know, David Tepper gave him a lot of money. Yeah. But David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, for those that don't know, is also a guy who's a hedge fund guy who's used to results. Like, you know, he made his fortune by results. 
And uh, we need to see results this year from Matt. I still believe in Matt, and I still believe he's capable of doing the job. But uh, this is a very, very difficult, it's going to be a very, very difficult year. And he's got to find a way to get the results he needs to keep David Tepper off his behind. Uh, you know, if if he believes David has his back, they might not take a quarterback because the quarterbacks in next year's draft class are also projected to be much better than this year's draft class. So if you believe that David Tepper has your back 100%, this might be the year to not go for that quarterback and try and stock up other positions. That's a tough. That's a tough ask, too, boy. You yeah, can, you can feel, is. you know, you can feel like your employer's got your back until until they don't have your back. We're talking right now with Trey Wingo here on Unnecessary Roughness Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. And so, as far as the Raiders go, well, first of all, before I get into them drafting, they don't pick till the third round. What have you thought of the new regime and what they've done, the moves they've made so far? Well, look, everybody in the AFC West has one goal. Well, somehow slow down the Chiefs, right? They've won this division six straight times. In Patrick Mahomes, four straight, four years as a starting quarterback, uh, they've won the division every year. They've hosted the AFC Championship game four straight years. That has never happened before in NFL history. Uh, Mahomes has the most passing yards and the most passing touchdowns of any quarterback in NFL history in the first four years as a starter. So it's pretty clear that everybody, including the Raiders, has one thing on their mind. How the hell do we beat that team? Uh, and that's what the Raiders have done. You know, they went in and got Chandler Jones mm-hmm. uh, to pair with Mad Max on both sides. So you have a pass rush against Patrick on both sides of the ball. Then you go get Devontae Adams, clearly one of the best receivers in football over the past five years. His 57 touchdown receptions, most in the NFL over that time frame. Second only to Tyree Kilo at 50, but he now finds himself in Miami. So they have decided we're going to attack the quarterback and attack the defense in the best possible way we have. You add in Devontae Adams to third and Renfro and Darren Waller and everybody else there, it looks somewhat formidable. But at the end of the day, someone's got to beat that team. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chiefs have never, with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback, have never lost a road divisional game, which is insane. They're 13-0. and I think he's 21-3 and overall in that division. So everything that the Chargers did by getting J.C. Jackson, the most interceptions since 2019, uh, and getting Khalil Mack and the most forced fumbles since he came into the league. And what the Denver Broncos did with getting uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback after having the most quarterbacks uh, start for them since Peyton Manning retired after the 2015 season. And what the Raiders have done, it's all about finding a way to slow down Kansas City. And right now, Kansas City at Caesars still has the best uh, over-under win total uh, in the AFC West at 10.5. So these are all great plans that the Raiders and everybody else have put into practice in this offseason, but it's got to come to fruition. Right, no doubt about it. Again, talking with Trey Wingo here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So as far as the draft goes, they don't pick right now until round three, pick number 86. When you're looking at the prospects that are going to be in the draft, when you're sitting there as a, as a team and you don't pick until the third round, how do you break it down or how do you think that they should attack the draft? Uh, snacks. Lots of snacks. Uh, you know, listen, it, it's an interesting draft, too, because I, I sit here and say that it's not a great quarterback draft, which is true. But, however, it is a very deep draft. I mean, and what I say by that is because of the COVID years we've had over the last couple of years, a lot of players have decided to hang back and get that extra year. So you're not going to have – it's not a top-heavy draft, but it is a really deep draft. I mean, it is a good draft. It, it there's more quality talent top to bottom, I think, in this draft than we've seen in recent memory because the, the pool of players is so much larger. So there's a lot of glue guys. There's a lot of guys that have, I mean, whoever goes number one, there's no guarantee whether it's Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker or whoever it's going to be. 
there's there's no guarantee. Oh, this is a surefire, no doubt about it kind of guy. But there are so many guys that are so intriguing, and I think that's the thing that's very interesting about it. Yeah, Dre, you just mentioned that there's no surefire number one, and the Raiders not having a pick until 86. Dude, what do you think about teams just trading back on picks because it's a deep draft and maybe not going after a key premier player and just trading back and seeing what falls to them? Yeah, and, and again, so it, it, you guys are going to hate me for this, but so in other words, along those lines, this would be a draft where you want a lot of picks, right? So you can have maneuverability like mm-hmm. that. Well, which team has more picks than anybody in this year's draft? The Chiefs. That, that's the Chiefs with 12. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're, listen, losing Tyreek Hill was a massive loss. I mean, he's the, he's the Steph Curry of the NFL. He can hit from anywhere. His range is limitless. But what they got for him, I mean, think about this. The Raiders gave the Packers a 1 and a 2 for Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs got a 1, a 2, 2 fourths, and a 6 for, uh, for Tyreek Hill. And they have 12 picks, including two first-round picks. The Chiefs have the maneuverability to really do whatever they want in this year's draft. It's not a year where you, where you want to have limited picks. It's a year where you want to have more picks. So, uh, you know, I, it's, it's just it's, it's really a time where you have to trust the organization and the people that you have in place. Yeah, no, it really is, and and I think that there's no you know doubt that I think that the Raiders are going to still try to trade back and get it, collect a couple extra picks. You know, I mean they're at yeah. five right now. I wouldn't be surprised if they get out of the draft with seven or eight picks and try to hit on some of those later round picks. And Trey, the thing about it is the league, as you very well know, is made up of more later round picks than it is first round picks. I mean, it's just reality of it because there's well more rounds and you find diamonds in the rough. But how difficult do you think it is to just kind of find those diamonds in the rough that can end up being an impact player? Like last year, the Raiders got Nate Hobbs in round five. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing about the draft, and here's the ugly secret that nobody wants to talk about, okay? Two things. Number one, the first round is CYA, which is cover your ass, okay? (laughs) That's why all these guys want the measurables on their first round picks. Oh, he had his, you know, his 40 time was this, his three cone drill was this, his bench press was this, his hand size, (laughs) if you're into that, as a quarterback is this. So if it doesn't work out, what they can say is, well, see, he had all the measurables. And then you go through rounds two and three, and you find that you've got a lot of really good football players in rounds two and three of the draft. Well, why is that? Because they're not looking to check any boxes. They're just looking at film. They're like, damn, that kid's a good player. Damn, look at that guy play. So the first round is really more hit or miss than people want to admit because it's about making sure you're covered if it doesn't work. Whereas in the second and the third round, and sometimes even the later rounds, you just find guys that pop on film, and they make plays all the time, and suddenly you're not concerned about, well, he's only 5'11", or he's only 190-plus pounds, or his 40 time was 4.55, and we thought it'd be in the 4.4s. Hell, two of the slowest 40 times ever were Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice, and they both would end up in the Hall of Fame. Right. You know? <laughs> yes. So at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, those second, third, and fourth round guys – they are judged on their ability to oh, wait for it. This is a crazy concept. Play the game that you're drafting them to play, as opposed to the underwear Olympics situation. I love it. All right, Trey, moving over to your podcast, Half Forgotten, His- Half Forgotten History, yes, the podcast. You've had some recent players from my childhood that were heroes to me, Ricky Williams, Edron James, and they have such interesting stories. But is there a certain interview that you did? I know you're doing a lot of prep, but someone's told you a story that maybe you weren't expecting that you just found so interesting? Well, honestly, I'm glad you mentioned Ricky because he he's way up there for me. Like, you know, Ricky Williams was the first guy I can remember professionally 
that was just so incredibly good at playing football, but didn't really want to play football. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when, when you're in the middle of it and you're in the middle of your career and you're doing that, you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, I, it, I feel like Ricky, and this is like the first question I asked him, I said, do you feel like you were just so, uh, you know, taboo with Ricky Williams? Nobody cares about it anymore. Right, you know? that's true. I mean, it's, it's legal almost everywhere now, <laughs> or not almost everywhere, but it's getting more legalized. And it's not a thing. The NFL really isn't testing for it anymore. None of the other pro leagues are. It's not a thing. Oh, he failed it. Marijuana test, and you know, my God, we can't drop him, we can't touch him. That's not a thing anymore. Um, and I just found him fascinating because, I, look, literally, people forget. Not only did he win the Heisman Trophy, when he left Texas, he had the most rushing yards in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how good this guy was. Yet he was going through his own metamorphosis, of trying to figure out who he was, and to have the, you know, the big ones to sort of walk away from all those dollars. And just trust yourself that you're going to find whatever you need to be happy. Uh, I, I think it's fascinating, and I, I really enjoyed my conversation with him because it was really enlightening. So, what do you think your biggest takeaway was from when you covered him back in '04 when he was going through all those issues, and what you learned during that interview now in 2022? Well, one thing is this: we as a society have moved on. Like it's it's just we have sort of understood what it is and what it isn't that, that he's involved with when it comes to weed and the legalization of cannabis. And, and you know, there are, there's a reason a lot of NFL and former NFL players are very pro-cannabis because I think they feel like that's better for their body than some of the pills they were being told to take when they were playing to get mm-hmm. out and play. Uh, and, I, and I think we all have some, come to some sort of agreement on that point. Look, I'm not saying people don't also smoke it for the high and the recreational part of it. That 100% is true or eat it, or ingest it, however you want to do it. But I think we all, all are now have the ability to recognize that, okay, yeah, maybe this might be a better way uh, when you consider the consequences of the opioid uh, crisis in this country. So I think that we as a society have moved on a little bit. And I also just think that, you know, it's, it takes someone with a lot of internal fortitude to say, this is who I want to be. Like, when when... When he told me in the podcast that after he made the call, like he and his agent smoked smoked a blunt, so I think it was Puerto Rico, he said it was, and he felt like a massive weight had been lifted off his shoulders. I mean, think about that. He had just turned away, turned down millions of dollars and, and all this guaranteed money. Again, some of it he would come back and play for again with the Miami Dolphins and a, a, a few seasons after that, but he was he was being true to who he was, and I just found that was absolutely fascinating and inspirational. No, no doubt about it. And you're right; he was just a little bit ahead of his time because all the things that that he was you know frowned upon now is 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 okay for the most part. It's pretty yeah. much okay. Again, we're talking with Trey Wingo here on Unnecessary Roughness. And Trey, just got one more question. We'll get you out with this. As far as the draft comes or uh, is is going, is there somebody in your evaluation that you're looking at that we're not talking about right now that we maybe should be talking about? Well, listen. Um, it's a deep wide receiver class, right? You have James Williamson from uh, James Williams, Jameson Williams from from Alabama, and if he hadn't torn his ACL, he'd be going much higher. You know, people love the two kids out of Ohio State, but um, this kid out of Arkansas, uh, Traylon Burks, you know, he has all the numbers over his career. He has nine catches of at least forty eight yards or more, which is tied for the most of any Power Five conference. Arkansas is not a powerhouse. Uh, he has, ma- you know, it is hand size season, so uh, you, you'll forget <laughs> me on this. He has massive hands, nine and seven eight inch hands. Uh, they're so big that he, when he went to Arkansas, they gave him triple 
XL gloves. Wow. And on his first catch, the fingertips popped through them. They had to get custom-made gloves for Traylon Burks' hands. You know, and he did, did he run a great 40 time? No. But go watch the film. Like, mm-hmm. nobody's catching him. Uh, I do think people aren't, aren't giving him enough love. And he's one of those guys that, for whatever reason, is falling down draft boards. For one of those mystical reasons that happens. Like, I always like to say there should be two drafts. One when the game, the season's over, and one when the actual draft happens. And imagine how different they would be. Right. So I would not sleep on Traylon Burks out of Arkansas in this draft if I was in need of a wide receiver. You know, and since you brought up wide receiver, and as I mentioned, you're a Baylor alum. That's your alma mater. What is your thoughts on Tyquan Thornton, the speedster out of Baylor? Well, I think he made a lot of money at the Combine, and yep. he was one of the more reliable receivers we've had in a long time. But, you know, we've had some wide receivers in the, in the first couple of rounds go the last few years, whether it was Denzel Mims or Corey Coleman. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really worked out. Uh, Josh Gordon obviously has been brilliant when he's been able to stay focused, and the Chiefs are banking on him being brilliant again. Uh, he has every opportunity to showcase those skills and put it out there. And, you know, for all the silly reasons, he made a lot of money at the Combine. And now hopefully he'll be able to, to, to prove that it wasn't just the speed, but everything else that goes with it when he's drafted. Yeah, we'll see. He was here for the Shrine Bowl as well. He's a good young man. I, I hope the best Absolutely. for him. He's, uh, he's, he's a little small in size. He needs to put on some weight to, to, to last in the NFL. But uh, I, I do hope for the best for him because, like I said, he's a really good dude. Well, Trey, thank you so much for your time. What do you got coming out? What's the next podcast you got on the Half Forgotten History? Well, we are we are uh, draft overload. Nice. Uh, I I did a uh, I have one coming out with Rams GM Les Snead, who's going to be very boring uh, at the draft <laughs> because they trade away all their first round picks. Right. But it's a fascinating conversation, and like it's working. Like they are doing the exact opposite. He is Les and Sean McVay of what you're supposed to do, and it's working out for them perfectly. I just taped with Traylon Burks uh, last week, and nice. we also this was a real favorite of mine. Uh, we taped with Boomer, Chris Berman, and just had great conversations about the draft over the years. And hey, that's, I mean, the Raiders. This is good. <laughs> you know, that will be dropping pretty soon. That was going to be a lot of fun. If you're a fan of, of old school NFL draft and the history of the draft, you're really going to like that one. No doubt. I'll definitely be checking that one out. Well, you do great work. And uh, of course, I always love your insight, talking a little bit NFL draft or just talking NFL in general. Can't wait till you get out here on uh, on Monday right before the draft, man. We'll see you soon. You got it. Take care, guys. All right. There he goes. Trey Wingo. Fantastic job. He's the chief trends officer and brand ambassador for Caesar Sportsbook. Also the host of the Half Forgotten History on YouTube. Check it out. And uh, those, those, old, those old videos, they brought some, brought some memories back for you, huh, Damon? Oh, of course. We talking about these running backs I mentioned? Yeah, well, yeah, the yeah, the ones that you saw on his uh, on his videos. Oh yeah, man, I I love those guys like Edwin James. Any running <laughs> Edge back was cool. Any running back from that was late nineties, mid two thousands. Oh man, it's funny. We were at when we were in uh, Canton for this uh, for the Hall of Fame. Oh, that's right. He got inducted. Yeah, he got inducted, and we were actually hanging out with his family, uh, myself and Foss, my guy Foss uh, from Texas. We were actually hanging out with his family like almost the whole night. It was great. Uh, before the day before he actually got inducted, but uh, yeah, they, they were they are really cool, down to earth people, and man, they so much were so happy, and uh, from everything that they kept telling us, Edge was so excited to be going into the Hall of Fame, and so uh, I thought that that was really cool, and and those are the kind of experiences you have when you go to events like that, and you just happen to run into folks. I mean, I didn't go there with the intention to run into Edge and Fa- Jane's family, just happened, just happened. I'm not gonna lie, that's. If you could just, like, I know more of this more maybe off air, but tell me more. <laughs> what kind of stories did they have? Because we really got to go to break here. Yeah, but no, they like did. A, they wow. Had, they had some great stories. 2.50 is the time. You heard the man. We do got to take a quick break. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Many thanks to Trey Wingo. Joined us in the last segment. Talked all things NFL draft and NFL in general. Again, there's so many different ways that you could attack the draft when you're having conversations. And Trey is one of those guys that really, really does a deep dive every single year when it comes to the NFL draft. So I wanted to pick his brain a little bit and just like the I like the C CYA conversation part, you know? The first round is about covering your ass. I like that. I thought that was great. Because sometimes you just have to hear it in those kind of terms where you're like, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. Guys aren't looking for or or teams aren't looking for intangibles in round three, four, or five. They're looking for a football player. Well, how about you look for a football player in round one? But like he said, that's why they, it, the measurements matter so right, much. Right. So I know that they're not looking at it like this, but when that guy does, maybe if he craps out. But the measurements, the 4-3-40, right, right. 25 on the bench press, his three-cone drill, mm-hmm. we thought it was all there. Like some of your players, um, who was it, Obi Melanfonwu? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he measured. Uh, oh, uh, he had great measurements. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to get you out of He could, yeah, he could jump to the, he could jump to the moon in a single bound. It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Obi Mellon Fonwu. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's such an athletic freak. Look at Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell is amazing. All these guys are such athletes. They're such, they're, they're just not built like this guy. He could do anything, but he couldn't do anything. Yeah, you know how to push those buttons, don't you? It didn't take you long to learn those. The shorts and a t-shirt, guys. Woo. Right, exactly. Exactly. So we threw out there, and we have Ted Nguyen from The Athletic coming up in a matter of seconds. Threw out there the question, and we'd love to hear from you on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r and Also, if you ever, ever have a question for any of our guests that we have, you can always text it in as well. Again, 69187, keyword r Make sure you use that keyword r r or we won't get it. It'll go to our sister station. ESPN Las Vegas, but uh, yeah, hit us up. How many impact players do you believe the Raiders should come out of this draft with? Currently, they have five picks. So how many players do you think that they should come out with? Guys that you're going to see hit the field, guys that you're going to see contribute earlier than others this upcoming season. 2.57 is the time. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.